Hey everyone, my name is Adrienne Garland and welcome to Sugar Coated. Sugar Coated is a podcast that was born from the notion that for far too long, women and other people who inside felt like they just didn't fit in in maybe small or even large ways had to sugarcoat their words, their style, or in general, their way of showing up in the world. This podcast started out as a dedication to women leaders. You see, I wanted to shine the light on all the incredible work that women do and how they're making an impact. And I still do. But I realized that a key reason that women have struggled, in my opinion, is that they've had to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals, which are inherently designed to keep those outside of the norm from standing out. This has prevented more women from being recognized as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me, Adrienne Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media, each week as I dive into raw conversations with some remarkable, badass women that will help you to strip away your sugar coat and go in the direction of your incredible dreams. Hi, everybody. This is Adrienne Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated. I'm so excited today to share with you my guest and my friend, Kristen Marquet. She's the CEO and president of Marquet Media and also the creator of Femme Founder. I'm going to let Kristen just jump right in and tell you a little bit about herself, and then we're going to get into a really interesting conversation. I just know it. Hi, Kristen. Hi. So nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to introduce everybody to you. I was thinking back, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, but I was thinking back like where, you know, when did I meet Kristen? And it was actually through somebody that I used to work with when I consulted at DirecTV and he introduced me to you. And so I'm very thankful to him that he made that introduction. And I feel awful. I know that his first name is Mike, and I can't remember his last name, but he's a great guy. Do you remember Absol- who that is? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's Mike Coughlin. And, Coughlin, um, right. you know, okay. I've <laughs> known him for almost 10 years, and I've known you for four. And, wow. you know, it feels like that you and I just met. And it also feels like, you know, I, I spoke at, you know, the 2016 conference yesterday. I can't believe it's been four years, almost four years. I know. And when you you were the moderator for the pitch, the media panel, and I was so impressed by you. I just think that you are an incredible person, a wealth of knowledge, so generous and kind, and also so real. And that is what I absolutely love about you. You have created incredible businesses. You've sold businesses. You've started businesses. So just please let everybody know, you know, who you are and then, and then we'll talk like we always do. <laughs> For sure. So as you, as you and I were discussing before this podcast, I've been business owner for about 10 years now, actually a little bit longer. 
I had started my first company out of necessity because I had lost my job during the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So I understand what a lot of people are going through at this point, you know, with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, It was scary. It was, you know, very unpredictable. And I'm one of those people that need stability. And that's why having a regular job was so easy for me. But, um, you know, I persevered through. Took about three months, maybe four months to scale up to a full-time client base. And I had gone from working on building out the infrastructure of the agency at that point. Well, my first company was a full-service PR firm. And, you know, I had spent so much time building out the infrastructure. And then once I started onboarding clients within six weeks, I had gone from having zero revenue to five figures a month to mid five figures a month, you know, at 30 clients. And, um, I really had no life, you know, I had gone from (laughs) kind of (laughs) trying to make this thing fly to flying all the time. And whenever I tell that story to people, they're like, Oh, well, that's not a bad situation to be in. But it is a bad situation to be in because you can't deliver the value that your clients expect when you're spread that thin. Yeah. So after, I want to say, six months of working 80, 90 hours a week, I pivoted the business and I really hunkered down and only focused on three or four industries. And once I really niched down, I was able to build a brand and build a pipeline of clients for like a year out. And I know that you guys probably hear this time and again, yeah, niche down, figure out who your ideal client is and all that. Uh, And, you know, it sounds like such a cliche, but it's really true. You know, pick a couple of different industries, um, if you're a service provider, and really get to know the nuances and the issues that those industries have. And then you can put together a solution that's going to help them obviously, um, rectify that issue. So I know that it sounds so elementary and sounds so easy, but it really isn't, you know, it takes patience and it takes a lot of perseverance to see that aspect of the business through. Yeah. You know, I also think that this whole idea of doing your homework and really understanding what people's challenges are, you can't do that if you're looking across 10 different industries, unless you have like a team of people and that's their, their job. But if it's, if it's just you and I, you know, as you were talking, I'm like, God, like how the hell did you do that with 30 clients? And did you hire anybody to help you? That's, you know, like a whole other thing you want to scale up, but then it's like, are you bringing in enough money to hire the right people? And are they doing the same type of job that you would do? It's a whole thing. I do want to know about that. But I think one of the most important things is this idea of like really focusing and you can't do that if you're trying to satisfy everybody. It's true. It's true. And you know, you're only as good as your team, but to answer your question, yes, I did have to bring on help. You know, I brought on two full-timers and that allowed me to focus on 
the branding and the positioning of the agency and while letting them do the execution work. That's a that's another whole challenge too, right? Bringing on the right people, these, the right people. And how do you really vet somebody because you do things in a certain way, you build relationships in your way and you don't want to bring carbon copies on of you. But how did how did you sort of how did you do that? That's actually a very interesting question. (laughs) Believe it or not, I actually, I'm not not good at a lot of things, but I have this uncanny ability to judge people. I have a very good sense of picking out who is going to be a good fit for me down the line in terms of mate, friends, (laughs) clients. Um, you know, and team members. And um, even though my interview process is is very rigorous, it really eliminates the wrong people, the wrong candidates. But, you know, I would say, especially when I had 30 clients, you know, and I was had clients all over the world and, you know, was in Europe and here and there, the interview process would take like eight weeks from start to finish. And it would be multiple rounds, be mm. a phoner, in person, another in person, writing, and then offer. So um, because so much of the work that I had done, you know, as an agency, every team member had to know how to write in their respective niches. Um, So, you know, it was very, you know, yeah, it was, it was a very intense process. Hmm. So you, I know that you went on and you sold that company and you've launched a couple of other things. And I would love to know, maybe like, let's, let's start where you are right now. Cause I know you're doing something that's slightly different and in the same, same area, but slightly different. And, and then, you know, how did, how did you get to where you are today and what you're doing? Great question. So let's, backtrack a second and let's talk about femfounder.co. That company actually started off as kind of a passion project and came out of countless requests for friends and family members and clients, prospective clients that actually weren't able, they lacked the funds to hire a PR firm to put together an integrated resource of materials and tools um, under one roof for female entrepreneurs. So that's how that happened. After learning about how to run an online course business and building an email list and doing all the stuff that these digital infopreneurs do, I decided to offer my first course, which was the PR Academy. Sold out still every month. I'm getting people buying. Awesome. So good. And I'm not really, I don't really have too many funnels set up there. I think that people just kind of find that through my social and from FemFounder. And then from there, I guess it was maybe like three months later, I had the opportunity to uh, offload the agency. So after all of that work had cleared itself, you know, when I had a free schedule, I was able to spend a lot of time marketing and building the brand for FemFounder. And I mean, I think it's kind of by accident, but our email list is like 160,000. We have like almost actually this month, April, uh, over a million page views. 
So I don't Incredible. know what's wow. going on, <laughs> but you know what? People are finding, finding the website. And I think that because I do daily written Q and A's with successful entrepreneurs like yourself, and I can't wait to publish yours, Adrian. Um, <laughs> I think that our readers really find that insightful and they can appreciate everything that, you know, these different female entrepreneurs are going through or have gone through. And we've actually even expanded our readership quite a bit. And now we're starting to interview uh, male entrepreneurs. Uh, We actually did the first male entrepreneur like two weeks ago. So yeah, so even though it's branded as Femme Founder, it's kind of becoming an integrated home for everything that's about, you know, running a business. Wow. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of that. I decided to create an offshoot almost, which is called From Nameless to Notable. It's, it's a miniature version of all the content on the book and all, and all my courses. And that's going to actually be coming out in June. We were scheduled to come out on the 13th, but with all the COVID stuff, we decided to push it off. And there are a few other backends that I'm working on with my team. And from there, we have a number of other products that are all branded under the, um, from nameless to notable uh, brand. Yeah. Oh, I love that brand so much. It's so good. And this is what everybody, it's what they want. They they know that they're, they're not visible. They're just starting. And so to go from nameless to notable is amazing. I love it. Oh, I can't Me wait too. to see all this stuff. I know. And I'm going to have to, you know, I'll give you access to everything. So oh. <laughs> have it all. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it'll be useful. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I mean, listen, everybody could use a little bit more visibility, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, with all this market saturation happening and everybody being online now, you know, you really need to carve a name for yourself. Yeah. In order to pe- for people to obviously know who you are and for you to build a business. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just find it fascinating. It's, it's, I think, a good thing for people to think about. You really listened to your clients and your friends and, and family and, and who said like, oh, I really want this resource. And you're like, okay, well, I will put it together. And, and you did that. Um, and that's where I think some of the greatest, you know, products and innovations come from. It's from listening and then acting on that information. So many times people want to be entrepreneurs and they're like, what product should I create? What service should I offer? But they shouldn't be thinking about it sort of from that point of view. They should be talking to people and and listening for where the opportunity is and then servicing that. And to me, I'm like, that's why it's it's probably so popular and so successful because you're literally giving people what they want. I mean, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I hope so. And I hope that even the, the people that never purchase anything or never hire me, I hope that they get some type of value from even our free content. But, it, you know, I mean, it took a long time to build up the brand to where it is today um, and monetize it to what it has become. But if you're consistent with whatever you're doing 
and you really believe in what you're doing and you make sure that there's a market for whatever you want to create, you can't not be successful. You know, it, it's just a long road. Yeah, it, right, right. It's, it is a long road and you gotta, you gotta keep running it even when, you know, there's big boulders that like fall in front of you. You gotta just figure out a way around that and, and keep going. And I think it's, that's a great message, especially now, you know, I mean, what do people do now to kind of keep in in the game? What are some of the things that you've been maybe hearing from some of the the women that you've been interviewing? How are they how do they keep going? Yeah, so I mean, I think it really depends on the person. It dep- depends on the business and the circumstance. But I, I don't hear any shortage of our readers, you know, struggling with COVID, especially with those that own brick and mortar, you know, establishments, whether it's a retail store or gym or beauty salon, but it's just the belief that you'll be able to recover. And, you know, if you're diligent in your research in terms of government and, you know, federal funding, you should be able to bridge that gap. Now for or readers that haven't been affected, good for them, but they are creating product extensions or they're opening up new markets, you know, or they're raising money so that they can, you know, from VCs or from angels so that they could continue to expand. The other thing is I know that a lot of companies have cut back on their, mar- I would say majority of companies have cut back on their marketing budgets but it's the companies that have a little extra cash flow that are investing in marketing that actually works. You're going to see a big uptick in those brands' visibility. So, you know, it really is kind of, you know, it runs the gamut. Yeah, like, and there are definitely some brands and companies that are, I think, continuing to to do well. I've seen a couple that are in the like the travel accessories business and things, and they don't they're not necessarily talking about, you know, buy my uh, suitcase for when we can travel again. They're doing things like talking about how they're reconsidering how they how they source their uh, materials and how they want to be more sustainable and all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's not so much that they're leveraging this, but they're taking a deeper look and saying, what else can we be talking about to kind of stay in the game when we might not necessarily be selling? But they're they're really taking an incredible approach to it. And I think and those companies, even if their sales, you know, dramatically fall during this time, I think it's those companies that are being more measured about what they're talking about and and relevant that will survive in the end. And and then I also do see, you know, like uh, that company, um, you know, Beta Brand, they have those, you know, yoga pants. I was actually looking at them yesterday at the recommendation of somebody. And I'm like, you know what, that's a really good thing to be promoting because people don't want to feel like slobs, even though they're working from home. So how can you kind of incorporate this comfortable feeling with also feeling like, okay, like I, I'm still, (laughs) I'm not living in a cave. And then even the beauty brands too. And I'd love to hear from you because it's like, 
at a certain point, you want to, you do want to maybe get your skin a little glowy because you, you end up feeling terrible when, when you don't take care of yourself. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, as somebody, just as a side note, as somebody who's worked from home years now, you know, I'm not one of those people to get dressed up. You know, I wear sweatpants and no makeup and my hair pulled back unless, of course, I have a video chat or I have to meet a client. (laughs) But the days of meeting clients in person, you know, I think that they are well behind us. But I think that, you know, women working from home, yeah, they want to feel good, you know, and uh, I think a lot of it comes down to self-care and exercise and using the right beauty products, which brings me to your comment about these different beauty brands. A lot of them are thriving, you know? Um, I I think, I think it was L'Oreal. Yeah, it was L'Oreal actually had its best quarter ever. Really? Um, Because women are buying products, you know, hair dye, women, you can't go to your salon. So yeah, women are dyeing their hair at home. So I think that beauty brands and especially the the clean, natural and organic brands, I think they're doing particularly well. Yes. Um, And I think that those, those brands that have kind of cornered the market are going to continue to do well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that all of this is making people realize that, you know, the environment they're seeing that things are improving because we're not traveling as much. And I think people are, you know, this focus on health. I do think that there's going to be some new shifts in the way that people approach purchasing, you know, the the types of products that they choose to buy, the companies that they choose to do business with. I think we've obviously been building up and being more mindful of the environment and, you know, organic and sustainable and everything. But I think it's going to really, really be super meaningful. And probably what people need to, to, sort of shift toward. And when, you know, beauty brands and and whoever shift toward this and expect it, then that can just cause innovation down the line. So it's kind of like, look out for those opportunities. And, you know, it's not all it's not all bad. The, The part of it that's bad is that people are dying, you know, that that fucking sucks. (laughs) Right, right. There's no way around that. That that part of it fucking sucks. So um, yeah, you know, you also before you mentioned your book, uh, you know, in passing, (laughs) tell (laughs) us uh, about your book, because one of the things that I admire about you is you you help people to gain visibility, to position themselves, to create compelling content. But you also do this, you practice what you preach. So can you tell people just a little bit about how you get visibility for yourself and and your business and what some of that, those things are? Yeah, for sure. So for me, it's, it's very simple. You know, I've been in the PR field pretty much my entire professional career. So it makes it easier for me to do my own um, and for any products that I'm going to be launching. And it also helps to have those relationships with the media. So I do a fair amount of publicity 
work for myself. The other thing that I actually spend a lot of time on, me personally, is search engine optimization. Believe it or not, I know that it sounds like it's like almost like a shitty practice. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it works. You know, I mean, we, I would say, you know, 60, 60% of our traffic comes from Google. I would say 20% now comes from Pinterest. In the early days, I used to do a lot of Pinterest marketing, mm. um, primarily organic. But yeah, so I mean, that's, that's pretty much how I spend my time. You know, I outsource the shit that I'm not good at. Like uh, we were talking about before, I'm yeah. awful, <laughs> awful at writing. But you, know, you wrote I'm a book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I did write a book. But you know, it's not not going to be winning any awards for it, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it's just very matter of fact, and it's very conversational. You know, I write the way that I speak. So yeah, the, the book is like a mini, mini master's degree in digital PR. There, there's a, a broadcast component as well. But it's primarily, you know, building your online footprint without all the bullshit that you end up reading online. You know me, I'm just very straight to the point. I don't like to dick around and waste time. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, right? no, I know. I know. That's what I love about you. That's what I adore about you. You're like, fuck that. You're so funny. Oh, man. So, and then there's also a component because I've had a lot of requests for information on partnering with influencers and vloggers mm. through FemFounder, you know, we do a fair amount of sponsorships and, and that type of thing. So the, the, the whole, I would say last 25% of the book is dedicated to influencer marketing and what to, you should look out for, you know, the appropriate pricing, how to figure out, you know, what somebody's really worth and all that stuff. So what's, what's the name of your book and where, where can people get it? Sure. So it's, it's actually pretty long, but I'll, t- <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell it. Um, it's from nameless to notable, how to gain influence, establish authority and reach expert status in your niche or industry. And right now I have taking pre-orders on femfounder.co. Cool. Um, and it's going to be for sale on Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble and every online book retailer at, in June. So good. Again, I can't wait to get it. I mean, and, uh, you know, it's like I want to give it to to women everywhere because we need to do this shit or else we're going to just keep sitting in our closets and no one's going to know who we are. And it's one of the things that I am so, so passionate about. It's like we we do all of this stuff. We put all this energy into starting our businesses. And then we like screw up when we try to gain, you know, influence when we try to pitch ourselves to the media. And if we just took the time to really understand what it takes, there's no reason that more women can't be covered in the media. None. For sure. I absolutely agree, especially, you know, in the the finance and tech, you know, and crypto worlds. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But it really comes down to knowing what makes you newsworthy and, you know, how to craft a story that's going to actually, you know, 
spark somebody's interest. Yeah. And, and not go on and on <laughs> about, about how wonderful you are yeah. because at the end of the day, who fucking cares? Right. You know, I right. mean, it's what's in it for the readers. Well, what's in it for somebody, you know, the easier that you can make a journalist's life in terms of sources and all that good stuff, the easier it's going to be. Like, you know, I've had one client that I work with, she's up in Boston and she's been with me for four years throughout the transition and all that. And, um, you know, do a lot of PR work for her and a a bunch of other work. But I got to tell you, I mean, the editors, you know, like Good Housekeeping and Oprah and Bustle and um, Healthline, you know, MSN, they all go to her for quotes. So if the easier that you can make an editor's job, the more likely they're going to call on you for commentary and, you know, you're going to be able to build that relationship. Yeah. And I I think that that is what it's all about. It's like, be that source for them, be that thought leader, have your message down and be very clear about it. You don't, you don't need to be the most brilliant or have the most innovative ideas, but you do need to be accessible and you need to be smart and you need to have a very unique point of view, I think. For sure. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I mean, you don't have to be the most innovative or the most unique, but there has to be some differentiating factor about what you're offering so that you know, somebody wants to write about you. Yeah. I mean, if there's nothing unique about you, who really cares? Who cares? Right. Exactly. Oh, it's so good. So what else are you doing? Like, what is next for you? I know that, <laughs> you know, you you always have a lot of stuff going on and it's all good stuff. But I also know that you are always looking to do more. <laughs> so yeah. what's on the horizon? So on the personal side, I'm starting my next cycle of IVF on the first. So that's exciting. Exciting. And also like, oh my God. Yeah. Daunting. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this cycle will be like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we have the the book coming out in June. You know, I have the the mini class that is a a little bit more in depth from the book in terms of, you know, digital PR, influencer relations and all that stuff. That's actually available on FemFounder. And, you know, I have the PR Academy, which is self-paced, very in-depth. You know, it's like a media relations class that you would take in college, but it's actual based on real shit. Mm -hmm. And everything that I've used in my career to get my clients media coverage. And then later on this year, you know, I'm building a mastermind of like, five to six people. It's very high touch. You know, it's going to be mm. eight to 12 weeks and it's pretty much going to be everything I know about running a business, creating it, and then coming up with an exit strategy, mm. being able to sell it. First of all, that sounds amazing and incredible. And I'm assuming that people would be able to find out about the mastermind by going to Fem Founder or mm-hmm. just reaching out to you. Um, so I just want to make sure that that's, you know, put out there. But I think that what you just mentioned about creating an exit strategy is something that many people do not think of. And I think that they are missing out on an opportunity to create something 
really big because if you have in mind what it is that you want to be doing next, you're going to probably build that thing quicker because you know that something else is next. So one of the things that I admire about you is that you did build your agency and then you were able to sell it and then you went right into building another company. When you started the agency, I know you did it out of necessity, but did you think to yourself, I'm going to build this and I'm going to sell it? Or was that something that came along and you said, next time I'm going to build something to sell it? No, you know, it, for me, all the stars had aligned. I was, I was really burnt out, you know, even though, you know, I still had a team and, you know, with all those clients, I just got really burnt out. So when I had the opportunity, you know, to sell to the right buyer, you know, I took advantage of it. But when I had first started the agency, it was, for me, it was more about survival. It wasn't so much about where I wanted to be, you know, five years or 10 years. It was more about shit. I need a paycheck, you know, because even if I went to go look for a job, there's just no way, you know, I'm going to find one within a month. Because, you know, it's competing with all these other candidates and, you know, it's just like today. Yeah. So, but yeah, I I had no intentions on selling the company uh, when I first started. And when you, when you started FemFounder and, you know, everything else that you're doing, are, are you thinking like, yeah, I'm positioning this for the future because I, I want to sell it and then go sit on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> in a perfect world, yes. But in terms of what I wanted to do with FemFounder, if the right offer came along, then I would. But, you know, I've had opportunities to potentially uh, offload it to, to other media companies. But it just... the the fit's not it, right. Yeah, yeah, it just, it wasn't, the chemistry wasn't there. It just, it wasn't the right fit then. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I mean, if somebody offered me, you know, a hundred million dollars tomorrow, maybe <laughs> I would sell it, but I, I have no intention in selling it anytime soon. I, I want to continue to, to grow the brand. You know, I've been able to streamline a lot of things and, you know, in terms of the list building, and selling products and doing all that good stuff, that's kind of on autopilot. So I'm able to focus on being able to deliver better value to my readers and create products that I really know that they want. Yeah. And that and that really work. I think one of the things that is disheartening in this whole digital world is there's a lot of crap that's out there. And I mean, I've, I've bought it myself and then been very disappointed or then, you know, maybe not finished a course that had great potential. Um, so the fact that you're putting out content, consumable content that really delivers value is, is great. And it's hard sometimes to, to find that. Um, right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you hear so many times from these online experts, oh, well, you know, you need to write blog posts, you know, that are 5,000 or 10,000 words long. And that may work for some audiences, but ours, most of ours want stuff that's short that they can read, you know, within 
the time that it would take to drink a cup of coffee and be able to take those tips and be able to implement them. That's who our reader is, you know. So it, it really, in terms of creating an online presence, it really just depends on, you know, who your audience is. And if you don't have one, which I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, figure out who you want to serve, figure out what their problem is and give them something. And it's, it's really that simple. Yeah. You know, when you said before about your focus on SEO, I just wanted to ask a clarifying question. Do you do paid search or is this what you're talking about entirely organic search engine optimization? Yeah, no paid ads. No nope. paid ads. Hmm. Mm-mm, just completely organic. Awesome. You know, that's so good to know too because many people are out there saying, you know, here's this Facebook ad strategy. You know, here's this is how much you have to use, you know, pay for Google ads and everything. And all that stuff, it works. It definitely works. But if you don't have money, it's good to know that if you do study SEO and you figure out what's working without doing anything like, you know, weird and and slimy. But if you if you follow the principles and you understand what SEO is, number one, um, (laughs) and, you know, how to really leverage it, I think you're proof positive. You also have an incredible product, right? So you're not, you're not doing all of this incredible SEO work. And then there's some crappy product on the end of it. Jeez, I hope not. Yeah. (laughs) But, but, but it's all aligned. And I think that that is really, um, an incredible message to give out there for a lot of these people that start businesses and they, you know, they think, how do I get visibility? What do I do? Like they want that quick fix answer. And some of the things that you've said is like, there is no quick fix answer. You really need to do your homework. You need to understand your niche. You need to understand, you know, what it is the the people that you're serving are looking for so that you can give it to them. I mean, it, it's it's hard work. And like you said, it's it's kind of basic, but people just they don't want to put in the hard work and they want they want the results and it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just like you want to lose weight. You want to get in shape. You know, you want to do one push up or one sit up and you expect a result. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Or you, you know, it, it. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, no, it just takes time and it takes discipline and, you know, you need to have strategy. Yeah. And it's funny because I was going to say, you know, like me, you want to lose weight, but you also want to drink beer. <laughs> See, you can drink beer. You just have to work out and you can probably cut oh, back on the consumption a little bit. Exactly. Oh my God. I'm very aware of that right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this has just been such a, a great conversation. We always have so much fun when we talk. You also are doing a, a lot. I know you have some different interests in kind of like interior design and and all of that. You're just you're you're so much fun, Kristen. And it's just been so awesome getting to know you and to just see all of your success and everything. And I always say to myself, I got to do more of what Kristen's doing because. <laughs> 
<laughs> it works. <laughs> and what I do isn't necessarily working, but I am also having a lot of fun with this whole podcasting. And I think it's the right direction for She Leads Media. Um, I do believe that podcasting is an incredible platform for people to gain visibility and also to create their own platform that they can get their thought leadership out into the world. So just thank you so much for being a guest. And why don't you just tell everybody one more time how they can get in touch with you and how they can buy your book and your courses and sign up for that mastermind. Sure. So you can, if you want, you know, just the resources and the book, the courses, you can go to femfounder.co. But if you need something that's a little bit more high touch while I'm in the process of building the mastermind, and you need some help on the execution side of branding and PR marketing, digital marketing specifically, just draw me an email. It's Kristen at marquetmedia.co. And it's K-R-I-S-T-I-N at Marquet, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T, media.co. Awesome. Um, yeah. And that's, so that's pretty much it. Thank you so, so much good. for having me. Thank you so much. So much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We'll do it again for sure. After your book comes out and I have a chance to read it, I'm going to ask okay. you a bunch of questions. Okay. Um, so yeah, no, that sounds really good. And just thank you so much. And please, if you've liked this episode, go to iTunes. And if you're compelled to do so, uh, we would love a uh, five-star rating. It really helps with increasing the visibility for this podcast and also for the other podcasts that are on the She Leads Media Podcast Network. Thank you so much, Kristen, and stay healthy. Thank you so much for having me. This is the She Leads Podcast Network.